Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. We've got a lot on the program today. Congressman Mark Pocan will be with us. He's a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, former co-chair of the caucus, and he'll be taking your calls in just a second. Also, a Russian general lets slip a secret plan to invade another country and seize Ukraine's entire coastline. That would be Moldova. But I wanted to start with my opening rant here that was published over at HartmanReport.com a few hours ago. It's titled, DeSantis' Attack on Disney Shows How Fascism Progresses Toward the Later Stages of Tyranny. Some years ago, maybe, maybe even a little more than a decade ago, you pretty much can't find them anymore without paying thousands and thousands of dollars for them. But I picked up a copy, a used copy of uh, Fritz Tyson's book. Fritz Tyson was, uh, Tyson Steelworks is named after him or after his family, one of the major German industrialists in the 1930s. And he wrote a book called I Paid Hitler. And it was about how he got a bunch of people together when Hitler was coming, had the potential to come to power. This is late 1932, early 1933. He got a bunch of other industrialists together. He raised three million Reichsmarks, three million German dollars, as it were, which, you know, if you translate it through inflation and everything else, was a hell of a lot of money back then. And basically put the Nazis on the map, put Hitler on the map. He, without his help and without the help of German industry, Adolf Hitler never would have been. And he wrote a book basically apologizing for this. And... As a German industrialist, he understood that basically as goes business, so goes the country. And this is something that we've seen in fascist regimes over and over and over again. I mean, Mussolini was open about it, that fascism was the merger of state and corporate interests. In fact, he dissolved much of parliament and replaced it with the chamber of fascist corporations. That is, instead of districts in Italy electing representatives to go to Rome to represent wherever the capital is, I assume it's Rome, um, to uh, represent the government or to represent their, their area to the federal government. Instead, the major corporations in those regions sent their representatives to, to you know, run the government of Italy. So this is not something new. And it's what Ron DeSantis tried to do with Disney. He tried to, to, you know, get them to, at the very least, shut up and go along with his whole don't say gay thing. And at first they did. You know, Disney was like, oh, yeah, well, we don't know. And then things got weird when people who worked at Disney were saying, hey, wait a minute, this, this legislation targets us and our children. Are you kidding and so the president of Disney came out and said, okay, we don't like the don't say gay bill. And all of a sudden, Ron DeSantis was like, okay, that's it for Disney. And, and he says that today he's going to sign this legislation that passed the Florida House and Senate the day before yesterday 
um, that basically says, okay, the towns in, in Orange County, in the, in the neighborhood around Orlando, the, the, the two counties around Orlando where Disney has, uh, what, 40,000 acres or something? Um, Disney has been paying for their own police and fire and garbage and everything else. And now these towns, you know, the taxes are going to go up on the average person. I've seen numbers as low as $500 a year and as high as $2,000 a year. Now, you could argue that DeSantis is doing the same thing that Greg Abbott did, shooting himself in the foot. Greg Abbott, you know, was holding up trucks coming across the, the Mexican border because he was upset with uh, Biden about something. And it cost... Texas, $4 billion. I've seen numbers as high as $6 billion um, in delayed products, in spoiled agricultural goods, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, this is going to cost the taxpayers of Florida dearly, but fascists don't care. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Fascists just don't care. And instead, they, th there, is a, there is a very specific logic to how fascists take power. And we saw this in the 30s in Italy and Spain and Germany. We saw this, and we're seeing it right now in India. We're seeing it in the Philippines. We're, we, we saw it happen in Hungary. We're seeing it happen, it's about halfway through the process right now in Poland. We saw it happen in Turkey. We saw it happen in Egypt, where fascists just basically take over. And they always or almost always start out by identifying a minority group that they can demonize. And then they tell the majority group that this minority group is out to get them. Whether the minority group is trans people or, or gay people or black people or Hispanic uh, refugees, people fleeing uh, you know, persecution down south. Whatever it may be, the message of fascists to the majority, which in the United States is white people, is these people are coming to get you or your children, which adds a, you know, a whole lot of emphasis on the story. And by doing so, they're basically encouraging both legal violence and actual physical violence against these people. And what you find is that the fascists also tend to create coalitions between themselves, big business, bigoted street brawlers, and, and a political party that they can seize control of. And this is exactly what we're seeing here. You know, Fritz Tyson wrote about this in his book, I Paid Hitler. He said, uh, you know, uh, but he, he's talking about, I'm not a politician, but an industrialist. But, you know, uh, every now and then we have to get involved in politics. He says, in a crisis-ridden state, as Germany was, an industrialist is drawn willy-nilly into the vortex of politics. And he said, I, too, approve this slogan of a sound economy in a strong state. To surmount the crisis, it was necessary to reinforce the authority of the state. I believe that by backing Hitler and his party, I could contribute to the reinstatement of real government and orderly conditions, which would enable all branches of activity, and especially business, to function normally once again. Right. Well, you know, if Disney backs away from their position and takes Fritz Tyson's position, you're going to see the same thing. Oh, yeah. OK, well, let's go back to supporting Ron DeSantis and giving money to Republicans in Florida. Tyson writes, I was just reading his his autobiography yesterday, and he said, not for an instant did I imagine that it was possible. This is Fritz Tyson. He's writing in 1941. He's fled Germany by this point. He says, not for an instant did I imagine that it was possible 150 years after the French Revolution and the proclamation of the rights of man to substitute arbitrary action for law in a great modern country, to strangle the most elementary rights of the citizens, to establish a tyranny in the heart of Europe, and to foster anachronistic aspirations of conquer, conquest and world domination. And he did it. This is something that we were warned about by Franklin Roosevelt and his vice president, Henry Wallace, back in April of 1944, on April 9th in the New York Times. Henry Wallace published an op-ed. He said, this is the vice president of the United States under Franklin Roosevelt. He said, the really dangerous American fascists are not those who are hooked up directly with the Axis. The FBI has a finger on them. 
He says the American fascists would prefer not to use violence. His method is to poison the channels of public information. With a fascist, the problem is never how best to present the truth to the public, but how best to use the news to deceive the public into giving the fascist and his group more money and more power. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing it all over the place. Ron DeSantis with Disney down in Florida, Greg Abbott with trans kids and their parents in Texas, all across the country, right-wing fascist governments and legislatures trying to throw women in prison for, for exercising control over their bodies. You had this woman in, in Texas who had a, a miscarriage. Oh, my God, it might be an abortion. Put her in prison. Charge her with murder. Life in, life in prison. Expect a lot more of this kind of stuff, because this is what we have right now in America. We have a political party that has become a full-on fascist party. There are certainly there are a few outliers, and many of them have actually left the party and claim that they're independents now. But by and large, the Republican Party has become the party of fascism, and we better wake the hell up soon or it's not going to end well. Jeff in Portland. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? Thank you, and thanks to you and your team for all that you do. Today's discussion on fascism, it's really not unrelated to Earth Day. Brazil's former president, Lula, who, you know, who's apparently pushing vegetarianism, which is great. And imagine rather than being falsely imprisoned a few years ago, if he would have been able to run against and, and defeat Bolsonaro, consider how much destruction of well, the Well, he might force. this year. Yeah, well, and I think he'll win. And but all the last few years, look at all the destruction of the rainforest that's happened yeah. that could have been averted. So, and you know, besides preserving our forests, we do need to stop all new fossil fuel infrastructure from being built. And I would say that includes Biden's plan to ship LNG to Europe. Let's send them electric heat pumps instead. But having said that, Tom, I do want to slightly disagree with you about DeSantis. I think he's an efficient little dictator. And yeah, if you want to see what a GOP victory in 2024 will look like, will mean for America, then of course, look at today's Florida. But to me, the most clear and present danger to American democracy is still Donald Trump. Last Friday, Common Dreams had a great piece titled November 2022, The Anti-Democracy Coalition by Stephen Harper. And Mr. Harper, he gives chilling details about this America First Secretary of State Coalition, which is led by this anti-Semite Jim Marchant, who's uh, quoted as saying, quote, I can't stress enough how important the Secretary of State offices are. I think they are the most important elections in our country in 2022. And why is that? We control the election system. In 2022, we're going to take back our country, end quote. And Eamon Moedin, I think he was filling in for Chris Hayes, Tom. I don't know if you saw it, but, you know, he had Dana Nessel on, the AG of Michigan. And Trump's going after the AGs, the attorney generals, too, yep. because they're the ones that defend the elections. And uh, it's, not just, it's not just Trump, Jeff. It's not like he's some evil mastermind. He's, he's, he, can, he can barely get out of his own way. But this is the Republican Party now. But, yeah, but I think we underestimate Trump at our own peril. I agree. Um, I think it's like in sports. You don't want to look past the game that is coming up next to a future game, which might be DeSantis. But right now, you know, he's Trump still holds a lot of sway over this fascist party. And, you know, besides looking at what's going on in Florida, if people want to see a, a fascist future, what a fascist future in America looks like, that HBO series we've talked about before, The Plot Against America, it's worth revisiting. And yeah. just imagine Trump as the Charles Lindbergh figure and Putin as the uh, Hitler figure. It's kind of portent of Yeah, if you subscribe future. to HBO and you have not yet watched this program, it's a beautiful historical set piece. It takes place in the 1940s or maybe 30s, and it's just brilliant. The plot against it, it, America. It really, yeah. Yes. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. I absolutely love your incredible shows. I have Thank a you. personal story that will give everybody some optimism. Okay. I've broken ties with friends that voted for Trump. I can't, it's too hard to talk to them. But one Trumpy friend I wanted to get together with for lunch. And I decided I would not bring up politics. And so we would make it uh, make it through lunch. Mm -hmm. And so my friend, she's actually a, 
sergeant in the Air Force, mm -hmm. and she works in logistics. And when she told me she would never vote for Trump again. Really? Says, yes. <laughs> she brought it up. She says that she blames Trump for every single death from coronavirus. Wow. I was ecstatic. And so she talked to me about how strict the military was on COVID. Mm -hmm. They were in lockdown the whole time. She said she was not even allowed to leave and go see her family for Christmas. Oh. They took it seriously. Right. And she also, she, she's, I, love, I really, we got along so well. She um, confirmed with me that Biden has been shipping tons of weapons. He did it during the Olympics. Of course they're not going to broadcast and say all this. Right. So meanwhile on Fox, oh, he's terrible. He's not doing anything. He was, he knew when he saw those tanks surrounding. He, they, she, logistics, they were getting the weapons to um, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And... Here's another one you're going to love. She moved out of Florida because she hates DeSantos. Wow. He's an idiot. Who would, and this was before he went up against the beloved Mickey Mouse. Sounds like your and, friend is waking um, up. <laughs> my husband's Trumpy family um, thinks DeSantos is an idiot because they love Mickey Mouse. So, DeSantos, wow. he has taken another group of people. And, you know, Republicans, Republicans exist in all the categories he's done. Sure. He's, he's losing them. He's losing them. It's great. It's, uh, thank you for the good news, Jessica. Yeah. It's a great thank story you. for the day. Thank you. It's great to hear from you here on the Tom Hartman program. Fair and only slightly unbalanced. And happy Earth Day. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. He represents the second district of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, his website is pocan.house.gov, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. And uh, he will be with us taking your calls. Congressman Pocan, welcome back. 
Hey, Tom, it's good to be here. It's so nice to have you. And last time you had yeah. to run off and vote, and uh, appreciate your dropping by today. I'm uh, back home in Wisconsin. You've got me. <laughs> okay, that's got to be nice. In fact, we had a long conversation about mask mandates in the air. Uh, you know, just a lot of people saying that they were going to cancel flights, that they had thought that it was going to be safe. I had a woman call from Hawaii who, you know, lives in Washington State, was in Hawaii on vacation, was planning on coming home today and was like literally crying on the air saying, I thought because she she's coming home to start her cancer treatment, her second cancer treatment. And so she's severely immune compromised. And now she's going to have to get on a friggin five hour flight from Hawaii with a bunch of yahoos not wearing their masks. Um, I don't know if you have some thoughts on that. Also, Senator Mallory McMorrow, this young woman from Michigan, who the young state senator who just got up and just peeled the bark off one of her colleagues who did a fundraiser accusing her of being a groomer. Um, uh, I, I'm curious your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. To the second point, you know, I, I heard her speech on the floor. I thought it was amazing. Um, I've got a feeling she's got a good future, uh, mm -hmm. you know, taking on this crap that Republicans are putting out there in order to keep the Q base happy. They put out all this, these side uh, false issues in order to try to, you know, gin up the base that somehow uh, believes these crazy stories. And, and I thought she did a great job in taking it head on. I think she did what everyone should do when this happens. To the first part, I was listening to your program, Tom, and I'm driving around, and because I have a rural district and I live in a rural area, I'm often listening to your program. I heard her, and I, I heard the conversation. And I just had someone this morning say, oh, I'm glad that next time I fly out, I don't have to wear a mask. I'm like, oh, I'm still wearing a mask on the plane. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, air, the, the airport, you know, I do think at some point now, if, the, if they don't put another a mandate in because of what CDC guidance may or may not be, you know, the common sense for me prevails that, you know, if I'm in the airport and I'm not right next to someone, I don't feel like I necessarily need to wear the mask um, personally. But if I'm sitting tightly among folks, especially on a plane, uh, you better bet I'm going to wear a mask just out of, you know, common courtesy because I have a lot of contact with people. If I'm carrying something that could make someone else uh, perhaps ill, uh, it is, I think, incumbent on me uh, as a human being to wear that mask still. And I very likely am going to do that on planes and in cabs and on the subway, which I take in when I'm in D.C. every day. Uh, I just think it's a common courtesy and it's a protection for yourself. So, you know, I think the real question will be, what is the CDC guidance? And as you know, you know, they've been a little bit inconsistent on guidance. And I think that's why there's a question mark on what the next steps might be. Yeah, I think there's also the issue of precedent with this uh, unqualified 33-year-old judge, one of only three judges last year that the American Bar, or the year before last, that the American Bar Association rated as unqualified, that Trump put on the bench anyway. I think, again, I heard on your program, you said not only that, but never been a judge, never tried a case. That's correct. She yeah. she was involved in two trials when she was a paralegal. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, that's the limit of her experience in the in the courtroom. Everything else had been, you know, lawyering from behind a desk. Um, it's it's incredible. Well, yeah. uh, and I, I, I usually ask you to, to, you know, what you want to toss out as we start. I mean, the phone lines are all full here. People are ready to talk to you. But is there anything first you off know, that you wanted to mention? Go ahead and take calls, Tom. I kind of feel like we're in that transition period because we've had two weeks around Easter that we've been back home. This is often is the period where the elections start. A lot of people you know, are getting nomination papers and things like that done right now. Um, that changes a little bit how things are looked at in Washington. So I just think we're kind of at that point that really pivots us closer to the election. But I, I really want to be able to address your callers. So, uh, okay, let's do it. Go ahead. <laughs> Cliff in Santa Fe, New Mexico, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, Tom and Congressman, and thank you for the great work that you do. I have a question about voter protection. New Mexico's primary is June 7th, and early voting starts May 10th, which is very soon. We know we're not going to get election legislation through Congress in time to support uh, protecting voters from intimidation. But is the Justice Department making it a priority to protect voters from intimidation using the powers they have? Yeah, Cliff, I don't have a direct answer on Justice Department. I wish I did. I do think there are a number of groups uh, in every state that are watching this very closely who've been through this now uh, a little bit, who are going to be watching to make sure that they have places to pivot. I know in Wisconsin, you know, we've been fortunate and have a number of groups that are watching it and have hotlines set up and everything else. I hope you have that in New Mexico. 
Um, but I can't tell you specifically if the U.S. Department of Justice has anything lined up for the primary elections, anything unique, other than we are fortunate that groups have been through this, and I believe they are active in every state. Paul, in Green Coast Spring, Florida, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, hello, uh, Representative Pocan. Uh, Thank you for taking my question. Um, I'm very concerned with this uh, new ruling this uh, Tampa, Florida judge has come out with to, uh, uh, you know, eliminate the mask mandate for the entire country. It's actually two parts to my question. The first part is, how can a district judge have the power to do this for the entire country instead of just her district? Could you please explain all this? Sure. Well, to the first question, I mean, because they're a federal judge, it's not like the district they represent is, is the jurisdiction they solely have for federal, for the basis of federal law. So that's why they're able to do that. You know, like I said, I think they have said they're going to do it based on the guidance of CDC. The problem is you and I know CDC is not a political agency. They're not always responding in the speed that you and I would like to. And sometimes their messages has been not done in the most uh, coherent way because again they're not you know necessarily uh, political commentators or communicators they're largely scientists and i think that's what they're waiting for right now um i think we're in a, a period where you know people there's a COVID hangover that's out there and people feel like they want it all to be over. I don't think we tell COVID when it's over. I think COVID tells us. The good news is that COVID, it, it looks like the variants of both Ami and, and this version of Omicron that are out there look to be pushing out every other variant of COVID. And hopefully uh, what that should mean, according to some of the experts that I've talked to, that it, it will be a much more mild disease. And we probably are gonna, this is gonna be the period we're entering but we have to be able to, if there are surges and other reasons, um, be able to respond. So we are gonna need CDC to be much quicker in how they respond and we need Department of Justice then to be you know, clear in, in how they're communicating whatever CDC guidance uh, that they're gonna follow. I, I don't know if we have that yet. We had, uh, just anecdotally, we had a guy on the program here who wrote like the definitive book about the flu pandemic of 1918, 1919. And he made the point that the worst wave of that pandemic was in 1920. It was the fourth wave on the third year. And it went almost entirely unreported because by that time, the whole country was so far past it and unwilling. It, it, it didn't even really make the news, even though more people died from the flu that year than in either of the two previous years. It was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. You wonder if history is repeating itself. We might have been through that with the, the phase we just had, at least I'm hoping, because the number of people um, is huge that just got it uh, yeah. during the January, February period. In fact, uh, there was that. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I hear the music. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. A national progressive town hall meeting here on the Tom Hartman program. Pocan.house.gov is the website. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is The Hidden History of American Healthcare, Why Sickness Bankrupts You and Makes Others Insanely Rich by, by me. <laughs> I wrote this book. This is from the introduction, the title, How a Single-Payer Healthcare Systems Helps Stop COVID-19. Healthcare systems can be national security systems. Just ask anyone from Taiwan. On January 20, 2020, the United States recorded its first known case of COVID-19 infection. The following day, Taiwan got their first one, too. By the end of April, over a million Americans were infected with the virus. But Taiwan had recorded only 388 infections, and their last case of lo local transmission was on April 12th. A few had arrived on aircraft from other countries. All were contained by quarantine. As of this writing in September 2020, there hadn't been a single new case or a single death in Taiwan since April. The economy never shut down and, as of this writing, was projected to have grown nearly 2% in 2020. Business, restaurants, theaters, and sports events were all open. Life was back to normal, albeit a mask-wearing normal. And it was made possible by their national single-payer health care system and their citizens' willingness to do their bit for the collective good. Back in the 1980s, Taiwan was on the edge of moving toward a democracy after a military coup in the 1960s. And about 40% of Taiwanese families did not have health insurance. If somebody in a family got sick, the cost of care often wiped out that family, and demands for reform were loud across the nation. Yue 
Reinhardt was a German-born healthcare economist married to a Taiwanese woman, and he attended a conference on healthcare in Taipei in 1989. His presentation impressed representatives of the government in attendance, and while he was still in town for the conference, they asked him for his best suggestion for a national healthcare system. He and his wife went back to their hotel and discussed the issue in depth, finally deciding that a single-payer national system would be the most cost-effective, efficient, and comprehensive program possible. He shared his thoughts with the government representatives, and the next day he left Taiwan to go back to Princeton, where he was an e economic professor. Six months later, though, a representative of Taiwan's government called him to say that they were going to take up his suggestion and asked him to help craft their health care program. He enthusiastically agreed, and by 1995, Taiwan had instituted one of the world's best single-payer health care systems. Today, everybody in Taiwan is fully covered for doctor and hospital services. Everybody has a driver's license-like health care card, which accesses their entire medical history. They can book a doctor's appointment on any computer terminal in the country. And the entire cost of the system is a bit more than 6% of Taiwan's GDP. For comparison, in the United States, health care consumes 24% of our GDP. Because there is no insurance company intermediaries sucking profits off the system in Taiwan. When COVID-19 hit, Taiwan chose not to use the blunt force technique of shutting down their economy and locking people in. Instead, they took on the coronavirus with an aggressive nationwide test and contact trace program tied into the National Health Service database. Every infected person was identified and put into a comfortable quarantine, and every person he or she had come into contact with, even very marginal contacts, were also tested and their contacts traced. By April, just a bit more than two months after the first case surfaced, the country had the coronavirus isolated and completely under control. By quarantining inbound visitors to the nation island of 23 million, they were able, as of this writing, to keep it that way. Maintaining public health is one of the most important functions of any nation's healthcare system. Because America's is so fragmented, it's inconceivable that our nation could respond to an epidemic, a pandemic, or another public health disaster with the speed and elegance of Taiwan or any of the world's other nations with single-payer Medicare for all types of systems. It's like Stockholm Syndrome, a friend who's a psychotherapist said, describing the way that Americans have clung for more than five generations to a for-profit health insurance system, while the rest of the world figured out how to provide health care to all their citizens at a much lower price. People know it and have become familiar with it, she added. They just can't imagine anything else. It's probably the largest con job ever perpetrated on the American people, one that has cost trillions of dollars and millions of lives. It's been going on since the 1940s. If it were a scientific experiment, it would have been shut down by the ethics review panels generations ago. This experiment in providing health care via a for-profit insurance system has led to the deaths of more Americans than we lost in World War II. Every year, over a half million Americans go bankrupt, often losing everything they've worked their entire lives for because somebody in their family got sick. That's a half million families a year, every year, for the past few decades. And the coronavirus, of course, has only made things worse. Perhaps most galling, this massive ripoff is costing our entire nation and each of us individually a fortune. Insurance premiums right now make up 22% of all taxable payroll, well above what the cost of Medicare for all would be at around 14% when first put into place, dropping to down to around 10% within a few years as previously uninsured people get their health needs up to date. As the health insurance, drug, and hospital parasites push their suckers deeper and deeper into our body politic, spending on health care by Americans went up 20%, 25% between 2000 and 2014. The book, The Hidden History of American Healthcare by Tom Hartman. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. 
You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. And uh, Dan in Omaha, Nebraska, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, Congressman, I have a problem, and it's been bothering me for a long time. It's Medicare Part C, which is not Medicare. And they get the right to attach that name and fool elderly people all the time. And 40% of people who could have just been living on their Medicare are now paying for that awful insurance policy. And no one is doing a thing about it, but, this, but CMS is not being loud enough to tell people who are going to be uh, Medicare recipients that Part C is a sham. And uh, I've seen the Democrats do absolutely nothing about this. How about a law like the disclosure laws on pharmaceutical advertising, you know, where they have to say, uh, you know, this drug may cause sudden death, um, uh, that on any Medicare Advantage advertising that, that must say Medicare Advantage programs are not Medicare, they are private insurance. Yeah, no, I, I'm writing that down because we've had this conversation a few times. And, you know, Tom's book on healthcare has a, a great section on this. Lloyd Doggett from Texas, who serves on the Ways and Means Committee, has a bill to address this. And I don't know if you've ever had a chance to connect yet, Tom, because Lloyd really is kind of the congressional expert on this. And But absolutely, this should be a, a bigger discussion. And, and your book, I think, covers this very well. But I, I'm writing that suggestion down because, you know, I think many of us should be concerned about how it operates. Yeah, just just a simple disclaimer, if nothing else. It seems like the, the you know, the least that could be done. But anyhow, Zach in Los Angeles. Hey, Zach, what's on your mind today? You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Hi, Congressman Pocan. So the entertainment industry in America has mostly moved to other countries, Vancouver being one of the biggest ones in Canada and Montreal. Um, and what they're doing is they're getting around all the worker protections and payment and everything and taking American workers to these companies to work for the American um, industry. Uh, but the computers that they're using are still in America because there's protections on the computers. Um, so I'm just wondering, is there a way that we can protect people the same way that we're protecting the stuff that they're working on? Yeah, uh, good question. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things we learned through COVID was the fact that we don't produce things here and, and the quest to save nickels and dimes and increase uh, shareholder returns uh, has cost us mightily. And I think, you know, this seems to be a lesson uh, that may be uh, occurring in the entire entertainment industry as well. In order to save a little bit of money, if they're doing things like this, there there could be a real price to pay down the road. So I don't know specifically because this is the first time I'm hearing of this issue, Zach. But um, you know, I do think we have plenty of lessons we've just recently learned that when people try to go either out of the country to save a little bit, uh, often uh, there's not a real savings at all that occurs. Pat in Burlington, Vermont, you're on the air with Representative Pocan, and we're down to about two minutes. Well, maybe three. Okay, go ahead, Pat. Hi. Yes, uh, Representative Pocan. I'm wondering why more Americans aren't afraid of the direction this country is going in with the book banning uh, down to the LGBTQ uh, situation. There is so much hate. It reminds me of when I was growing up during World War II, and I saw this going on. In Germany, we saw it on the Pathé News, and it scares me. Please, can we do anything? Yeah, Pat, you bring up a great point. You know, when you don't 
have the public with you on the issues. We know on almost every issue, the majority of the public are with progressives, whether it be healthcare, education, environment, um, they have to win in other ways. So whether it be money in campaigns or by scaring the, the heck out of people, uh, that's what they often do. So, you know, the issues of book burning or trying to demonize certain groups of people, you know, we thought we were past the LGBT uh, discrimination, you know, that, that Republicans had ginned up uh, and then with marriage equality, largely it went away with the public. But they found now a way to go after trans kids and others and uh, from the don't say gay to other bills that are out there uh, in, in places like Texas and Florida. So there should be concern, right? They're going to try to resurrect uh, these issues for their, their small parts of their base that this is important. But they're doing it in a way that really, really hurts people. We all need to speak out and stand out. I thought that state senator from Michigan uh, did a great job the other day when they tried to accuse her of grooming people as part of their Q rhetoric that they're out there doing. Uh, we all need to be vocal and aggressive and not passive as they make these attacks. And, and I'm increasingly sick and tired of Republicans grooming children to, to own guns. I mean, yeah. any, anyhow, your thoughts on the coming week? Next week, I think we're all back, House and Senate, so things will be starting up. Uh, just, you know, it's so important that people do what I know you help them do, Tom, so often is call their, their members of the House and the Senate to be heard. If the people lead, eventually the leaders will follow. We have to make that our mantra. Please be active. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Congressman Pocan. It's so great having you with us, and thank you again for dropping by. Lee in Milwaukee, Oregon. Hey, Lee, what's up? Hi, Tom. I got a slick, glossy mail flyer from Kurt Schrader, the conservative conservative big pharma tool running for re-election in Oregon's 5th District, and thought you might like to get a quick description of it. Okay, tell me what what he's saying. On the front, you see a senior citizen holding up her bottle of prescription meds. It says, he's taken on the drug companies to bring your medication costs down. (laughs) Excuse then you me. open it up, and it says, Kurt Schrader, the go-to voice to get things done to lower prescription drug prices, wrote and passed the plan allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices. That's either false or a big distortion. It is. And then on the, on the back, you see, Democrat Kurt Schrader's progressive scorecard. This guy is spending millions to remake his image and lie and distort about his record, and uh, we should... Uh, uh, vote for uh, Jamie McLeod Skinner. Skinner McC- yeah, yeah. She is a progressive running against this guy, and we're going to have another wasted Democrat uh, representing us if we don't get rid of this guy. Yeah, I, he, he money, said though. he's you know he's he's spending money on these, and and that may be, but my I mean my guess is that the pharmaceutical industry is spending money on these things. I mean, you know, he's he's oh, yeah. he's got a certain you know he's the he's an heir to. One of the pharmaceutical fortunes. So you know, I, you know, you you can understand where he's coming from, but still, you know, yeah. a, enough already. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Lee. Thank, thanks for that. Thanks for the heads up on it. That's amazing, Mac in Gig Harbor, Washington. Hey, Mac, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Uh, the First Amendment rights are on my mind. As far as the media is concerned, you know, we uh, Democrats can't get the message out. And, you know, for boomers like my wife and I, we're used to the the news was kind of sacrosanct because it was just news. Right. And now it's entertainment. And there are basically no strings. <laughs> so you can have, you know, Fox have Tucker Carlson on and say this is Fox News. And I don't know how it would be done with the Democrats, since they don't really have control of their caucus, to the FTC could in in some way say that if you yell fire in a crowded theater over the air in any regard, that it has to be labeled as that, not not allowed to be called news. Well, you're getting into some really, really delicate territory there, Mac, because, you know, what's know. what's my news may not be your news. And 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 the minute that we give the government the and I realize I'm sounding like an old line conservative here and maybe maybe in this regard I am. <laughs> but the minute that you give the government the power to decide what is the news, you are you are laying the foundation for Donald Trump or somebody like him to come in and say, OK, Here's I'm 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 going to tell you now what the news is. That you're you're heading well, I, straight I for that. you know TASS and Pravda. 
I get that. My wife and I go over this all the time, but I, I just look at the fact that these people are able to build a narrative that they're presenting as legit and true when it's outright fabrication. The way, the way that this was treated legally... Country that, uh, no, I'm, I'm with you, and forgive the interruption, but we're hitting, we're hitting a break no. here. The way this was treated prior to 1987 with, with a phrase called programming in the public interest... It didn't say the news has to be news. It said radio and television stations have to program in the public interest. And that caused the, the radio and television networks to create basically nonprofit news divisions. They did not make a profit. And I think that's what we need to go back to, Mac. And I think that that's a little more easily defined. Wendy in Carmel, California. Hey, Wendy, what's on your mind today? Well, first, I do want to thank you for your show. It came at an opportune time. My cable picked you up as we were going into shutdown for pandemic. Mm. And so at least my mind was fed. Thank okay. you very much. Um, it's back to your opening rant, and fascists just don't care. Mm-hmm. Obviously, target groups know that, right? But I you want mean the groups that the fascists have targeted for, for their hate. Over time, yeah. yes. But rank and file don't know that. Mm. Remember how you've been talking about the profile of someone who likes an authoritarian? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they had a tough parent. Well, I have an ex-boyfriend like that. And um, basically... I left my small town, you know, went to college, San Francisco, worked in Silicon Valley for a number of years. Beauty of that was autonomy and respect, egalitarian, being sought for your opinion, as well as good pay and good perks. Okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. I come back to my hometown, and the jobs are authoritarian, don't want to hear from you, terrible pay, maybe no perks. And what I'm basically saying is if you took that ex-boyfriend of mine from Silicon Valley and you stuck him in an authoritarian environment when he'd been used to all his freedoms, he wouldn't like it. And I think that's what we have to show. Um, And these generations, mine, Boomer, all the way through to Z, are visual. For example, recently we've been looking at Shanghai and the draconian measures the Chinese government has taken on their middle class, Mm -hmm. you know, with regards to COVID. With regards to lockdowns, yeah. Yes, yes. But what I'm basically saying is we have to make it obvious to the rank-and-file right that they would not be treated well in an authoritarian regime, that there are a few bigwigs who will be treated well, but the bulk of them voting for that are not going to be treated well. I I think you're going to have a real challenge doing that because what you're talking about basically are straight white people. And, you know, this is this is what Hitler did. I mean, this is what this is what Modi is doing in India. He's got a Hindu majority. And so he's pandering to them. Um, In fact, he just threw a guy in jail for tweeting something about him. I mean, this is how rapidly it disintegrates. Right. Right, but what I'm saying is the visual part, I don't know if it could be Lincoln Project or what, but not not going back so much in history, but if you can show, you know, current um, examples of dictatorships or, you know, strong men being hard on, you know, the middle, the regular folk, the bulk of their society, that would be helpful. But generally they're not. That's my point, Wendy. And, and, And it's not until families, until... You know, somebody in the family marries somebody who's Jewish or black or until one of the kids comes out as gay, that suddenly they discover how violent and and brutal the right is. But up until that point, they, you know, they think, hey, these people are they're, they're, you know, my values. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, for example, PBS had a program, a miniseries called World on Fire. Uh Uh-huh. And in that, they showed that not only did the Germans first go after special needs kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, the anti-Jewish fervor, but they also showed how it played on a German family, Mm. okay? And in other words, oppressive, okay? And that's what I want to show. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Wendy, thank you. That's a great suggestion. Uh, Good talking with you. We'll be right back.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Russ in Hickory Hill, Illinois. Hey, Russ, what's on your mind today? Tom, thank you for taking my call. You know, we're talking about DeSantis. There was a guy on Morning Joe. He's telling us $1 billion to $1.3 billion it's going to cost the millions of Florida to start living in that state. Can you imagine telling these 55 and older people, oh, we got to raise your rate to about four or $500 more a month to pay, you know, to make up for the difference? Yeah. Um, you, do you think it has, uh, to the best of my knowledge, DeSantis has not yet signed that legislation, although he says he's going to. I, you know, I, but here's the, go ahead. Sorry. Well, here's the other thing. And then right after that, the other one I want Oh, Yunkin. Did yeah. you did you hear the numbers on the election? Carl Fisk was on uh, Stephanie Miller. No, I don't. 92%, I haven't heard. Ninety-two percent. Ninety-two percent of the Republicans showed. You know what ours was? Sixty-eight percent. And what did he win by? Forty thousand votes. Right. So you're talking about voter turnout. Right. Well, yeah. And yeah. he and, and and they think Yunkin is the next guy to be fearful of. Like the, he said, Carl Fisk. Yeah, you he, think we're going to sit at 68? He's, he's the friendly face of fascism. And, and you know who well, Youngkin, you know, I was going off on Andrew Wheeler a couple of days ago, who's, you know, uh, d- during Trump did all these terrible things to our environment when he was running the EPA. He's now running the Virginia Department of uh, Environmental Quality, I think it's called. Um, so, may I say it's something yeah. else? Yeah, go for it. Uh, okay. Did you know, Tom, just like your House member, there's House members, uh, they were saying, in the Democratic they are willing to work with Youngkin on voting rights, gay rights, and abortion rights. What does that mean? Youngkin wants to take away, you know, voting rights, gay rights. Abortion. Oh, so he There's wants Democrats to take them away. And, okay. Yeah. Right, right. And they're willing. Well, you know, we're kind of flexible. I'm, Carl oh, jeez. So there's. Uh, I, I tell yeah. you what, Tom. You got a better chance of a Democrat going to a Republican, just like your guy. He says he's not going to take any money. You reelect him, and I'll guarantee you he'll take money. Are you guys going to still primary that guy? Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out, Russ. But you're you're right that you know corruption is not limited to one party. On the other hand, it's massive. It is the way of life oh, in the Republican it's brutal Party. Brutal on their and, side. Yeah, and, and, and it's and it's the exception to the rule, more or less, in in the Democratic Party. And Wait, we need to clean that up. We, you know, we need to acknowledge that and clean it up. Russ, thanks a lot for the call. Alejandro in Miami. Hey, Alejandro, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. Uh, yet again, our, our governor does another short-sighted, uh, wants to pass another short-sighted law that's most likely unconstitutional or at least has significant legal issues. And, of course, I'm talking about the stupid proposal to dissolve the Reedy Creek Improvement District where, you know, Disney is located. Uh, uh, obviously, I, I think it's uh, uh, it's a very bad bill. Like, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the perfect adage is, be careful what you wish for because you might get it. And if the, stu- the district were actually to get dissolved, the, the residents of Orange County, Osceola County, will be left with $2 billion in debt. You know, that's what they have to pay all the bonds that Disney owes because the Reedy Creek Improvement District runs at millions of dollars of loss every year. So they have to, all the, the county residents have to absorb that 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 debt, and they have to pay for all the services Disney has been paying to the Reedy Creek Improvement District, such as maintaining all those nice roads that go into Walt Disney World, all the utilities, the fire department, you name it, all the stuff that Disney's paying for, the residents of those counties have to pay for, and it's estimated it would cost around a thousand dollars per taxpayer of, of in those in those right. counties to pay for. So does DeSantis and, have a Plan B, Alejandro? Because he he's saying that he's going to sign this today. Um, I mean, has he figured out some way to tap into federal highway funds or something that he can redirect so he doesn't have to raise taxes on people? Or is he just going to let the county government take the heat for it when they have to raise the taxes on people? The county government will take the heat because the only roads that go through uh, Walt Disney World are state roads or roads that Disney owns. There's no federal fund. There's no I-75 or I-95. There's no federal highways that go through. I don't know how they would even use that to, to fund it. I guess I want to illustrate the point that, like, like, it's so pointless, this bill, Tom, because even if this bill passes by the governor, it, it can't dissolve the district anyways, because, 
You know, this is a problem with, with, you know, these short-sighted bills that they don't understand all the legal consequences of when they pass the bill. But the point is, is that there's a Florida law that dictates that special districts, like Reedy Creek Improvement District, created by a legislature, can only be dissolved with, this is the kicker, with a majority vote of that district's landowners. So obviously for Reedy Creek, that's the Walt Disney Company. So this is all for show, Tom. Even if this bill passes, it's not going to do anything because Disney can challenge it right away and say, hey, this can't be, this is not the proper way to dissolve uh, So it's district, just performance art. It's all performance, Tom. It's all BS. Oh, from God. So, BS. so the taxes aren't going to go up. They're, they're just going to have, you know, it's, it's masturbation. They're just going to have, you know, they're going to have a ceremony. They're going to sign the bill. Disney will immediately challenge it in court. That'll be the end of it. It'll go away. It won't be in the news anymore. And everybody will think that Ron DeSantis got his way. Exactly. It's all based on ignorance, Tom. As an attorney, this is just giving more attorneys money. It's going to get... You know, Disney attorneys' money. The, 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 we're all. It's just going to give attorneys, you know, money to fight this pointless lawsuit that right. shouldn't have to. Yeah, because they don't. They don't care if if they're actually successful in hurting Disney. They don't care if they're actually successful in raising taxes or lowering taxes or anything. I mean, all they care about is that it looks like they took on the big guy. You know, Ron DeSantis, giant killer. I mean, that's that's one of the the the, the keys to being a successful fascist politician. Is being the right. tough guy. You got to be. You got to be the big tough guy. Amazing, Alejandro. Thanks a lot for that. That's uh, you know. I appreciate the uh, the insight. Thank you very much, Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Norma, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, I don't know if anybody else has seen this, but here in Alabama, we have an ad with Trump telling people to get out and register to vote and protect their vote so that we can protect our country and elect the right people. Hmm. Anybody got that ad showing? I've not seen it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the ads here for the Republican Party. Our governor, um, she's her name is um, Kay Ivey. She's I think seventy six or something. Mm-hmm. But she's running on the fact that she's outlawed CRT, and that we she's also outlawed outlawed illegal curbside voting, and that um, she's not going to allow anybody in their neighbor and their cousin to get themselves a, a absentee ballot either. And um, she says that she Trump supports Trump. Well, the woman running against her is a hundred percent Trump supporter and a good Christian. And she, these ads are—you would not believe it. If you this want is to the watch Republican the, primary you're talking about, Norma. Yeah, it's, in, it's May the twenty-fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, the station is, that shows most of the stuff is, is WSFA Channel Twelve. Comes on at five Central Time and six Central Time. If you want to watch this stuff, if you can pull it up online. Mm-hmm. And but this is uh, the this is a if the, anybody that actually believes this stuff like CRT is only taught as a third level law school class as an elective and you have to ask for it. Right. Yeah, it's not taught anywhere else in the country. It never has been. I don't understand why people don't know this. I, guess it's I don't think they, they care, Norma. I, I think uh, the they Republicans, they know that they're lying through their teeth. But, but basically, they're, what, they're, what these Republicans are saying to white people is we're going to just basically erase the crimes of white people from the map, from the history, you know, from American history. And, uh, you know, we'd all like to, uh, you know, the, the, the lost cause pitch back in the 1880s, the, the, this whole movement that started in 1910 to put, you know, Confederate monuments all over the United States. It's all about the same thing. It's all about creating a great forgetting, a giant memory hole about what happened here in the United States. Yeah, I know. And uh, when I go out and I'm talking to people, you know, like I make a point of telling people what is going on here with our Public Service Commission because they don't know, you know, a raise in power, gas, water, sewage and telephone, you know, communication cost. My bill went up uh, uh, 35 percent this month. And, you know, that includes my direct TV so I can see your smiling face. Go ahead and smile at me, Tom. <laughs> I don't make any money from direct TV. So. <laughs> I know, but, you know, that's, I watch it. I have it so I can watch you. Yeah. But, you know, everything that goes on in this country is controlled by these corporations. And, you know, we have you said there are six people who voted not to sanction Russia. Or, or to, okay, are they on the same list of eleven who went to Russia? No, those were uh, senators. This this was uh, Thomas Massey and Paul Gosar and a couple of others. I forget the whole list. But well, does anybody remember the eleven the that went to Russia for the Fourth of July secret meeting? And well, we Ron never Johnson knew what they... was at the top of that list. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Are these the same people? Do these people work for Russia? You know, we have people, I think, I, I truly a- believe work for China. Uh, there are people, I believe, work for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And I'd like to see an all-American um, single citizenship papered Congress. I don't, I'm sick and tired of people in there with double citizenships or triple citizenships yeah. representing, working for our, supposedly, us, the people. It would be good to have a law that says, you know, that contradicts Citizens United and says that foreign entities cannot fund campaigns. I'm with you. Norma, thank you so much. George in Chicago. Hey, George, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, the immediately previous caller touched on kind of what I intended on saying. Basically, it's that at least since the Cheney-Bush administration um, and also Daddy Bush and Reagan, it, it seemed to me that the right in this country, Republicans, have a much larger all-encompassing and well-planned worldview than Democrats do. It always seems like Democrats are two steps behind a day late and a dollar short, you know, beginning with that project for the new American century and the unitary executive and all these things. Yep. And the, the continuing embrace. It's authoritarianism and neo-fascism. Yeah. Let's and call the it what it is. Embrace with politicians and heads of state and other country who have the same mindset. And like the lady just said, the Republicans who went to Moscow on our Independence Day right. and the, the, and the uh, Conservative Political Action Committee. Yeah. George, I got I to wrap it up here. I'll, I'll give you a, a What I'm saying is, is, is Putin invading Ukraine right now to coordinate with our Republicans and take the heat off them? And I think the, I think that's a, uh, a side benefit. I don't, I don't, you know, I think he's, I, well, it's a whole long story. I got to wrap the show up. I'm sorry. Hey, special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer, Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick White, Gerald, and Halbert. Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabberbocky, Jay LeBlanc, Connor Arroyo, Carna Verde, and Al Gorilla Rhythm. Thank you. And thank you to you. Have a great weekend. Get out there, get active, tag your it. We'll see you on Monday. Have a wonderful time. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 